0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Green Room Podcast with the Handshake Media Network. We are in a different location than we usually do the podcast. We're at Forbes Street Studios in Sydney, and I am stoked to be joined by Carly Rae Jepsen. Hello. I was going to say welcome to Australia, but you've been here for a couple of days now.
1: At least three. I'm trying to do the math. I'm a, I'm a little yeah. jet lagged still, which is it's no excuse still for jello. that. Still I know. Well, this is kind of the day I'm coming to, actually. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was a little foggy at first, for yeah. sure. Long flight, man.
0: Yeah, so cards on the table. This has been been recorded on a Friday afternoon. Yes. You played Sydney on Tuesday.
1: Okay, there you go.
0: Now correct me if I'm wrong, I'd like, So, these are your first ever shows in Australia. It's true. It's Why true. so long? What did we do to you?
1: I have questions as well. I, I can't believe it's taken us this long to come back. Like I think I was here for a quick, I know I was here for a quick round of promo um, back like eight years around, around mm-hmm. the comedy maybe era of my life, but um, I have not gotten back since. And I... I I don't have a good excuse for it. It's mm. like one of my favorite spots, so I'm gonna make sure I don't wait as long next time.
0: You've come here before, just like for fun, right? Or just like ever?
1: No, this this is actually my first real get taste of Australia. Wow. I love it. We climbed the bridge the other day. Yeah, we went and walked around, and saw the Opera House. We've had some really good food. Stayed at like the Michelin star restaurant, Mr Wong's, or something mm-hmm. like that last yep. night. Yeah, so. they're
0: actually sponsors of the show. Oh, well, really? No, go. not at all.
1: Oh well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it was, that would have been really convenient.
0: <laughs> um, and you, it's a, it's a good week to do it because, as well as playing your first Sydney show, you presented at the ARIA Awards. I did. How was that for you?
1: I mean, award shows are always crazy, right? But it yeah. was it was it was good crazy. Um, a lot of like. I don't know, mania on the red carpets and lots of fun backstage. Just really happy for Tones and I who won so many things. I was going to ask you about Tones because
0: you you mentioned her on Instagram. Yeah,
1: yeah. She's she's such a sweetheart. I love when you meet the people that you kind of are like fanning over and they're actually really kind. Mm. And so that was a bonus. And, um... Yep, went to the Louis Vuitton party, which was strange and wonderful. So many beautiful purses. I wish I could take home, and mm. and that's about it.
0: You said the party was interesting, and I told you stop talking. Let's mention this on the podcast. What what happened?
1: Not interesting, bad. <laughs> it just it's a whole new world for me. There's this. I mean, I love fashion, but I'm a vintage shopper more than anything. So mm. it was just like a strange reality. We, were, we went from like level to level to level, and it was like, it was a cool party. Mm. Met Flume. Yeah. Was, yeah, he was How's Flume? He's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we both were like, what are you doing? in here. <laughs> but he was DJing the party, I guess. Yeah, right.
0: So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned Tones and I, I um, yeah. mean, are you familiar with her backstory?
1: Um, I, I believe she was busking, correct? Yeah.
0: So, I mean, yeah. 12 months ago, uh, we have an event every year called Big Sound, which is essentially like South By. Um, last big, so yeah, Big Sound 2018, she was busking outside the venues trying to get in. Wow less than 12 months later oh sorry just over 12 months later she has won a bunch of ARIA awards number one I think in 19 countries Yeah, and you're a big fan of her apparently
1: I am yeah I um my tour manager is friends with one of her managers, and so he introduced me to her when I was on uh, holiday in Thailand, and I just became really obsessed, so when I found out she was here at this award show, I was like, I'm going to have to meet that girl, and then it turns out I got to present her with an award, so it was uh, yeah, it was all meant
0: to be. It's quite interesting the way um, your careers align in that sense with, you know, you your debut album, I think, came out in 20, 2007, 2008.
1: Uh, Are we talking Tug of War? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. 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 Yeah.
0: But obviously, Call Me Maybe was the one that went crazy for you. Yeah. Tones and I are in a similar position right now. You know, she just did Fallon. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, That song is going crazy all over the world. Do you have any words of advice for someone like Tones and I? I mean, she's being swept up globally right now in in a similar way that Callie Maybe was.
1: Yeah, Um, I don't don't think I'm too worried about her. She seems like, she seems about the right things. I think um, less about worrying about the celebrity and the fame and more about pushing her art and getting to share it and connect. And you could see that from her speeches. You could see that just from her demeanor when it was backstage. It's just, if she keeps her eye on that that kind of prize, then I I don't think she has anything other than a, a really great journey ahead of her.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Your album dedicated came out in May. I was reading an interview you did, and it was an interesting thing you said. What when calling maybe came out, you didn't know what you wanted to even do with pop music when that came out. When something like a song like that blows up so much, does it kind of tamper with the way you want or see your sound going forward?
1: It could have. I could have absolutely if I kept on like the hamster wheel of it. I definitely knew I needed a pregnant pause. I was really stoked about calling maybe, and I was stoked about the reaction that it had and the the kind of like roller coaster that I put into my life. Or, um, but I also knew it wasn't the sole type of pop music that I wanted to continue making, um, and that I didn't really want to try to like like one up myself with another version of Call Me Maybe. So mm. I, I instead felt like I would take some time to figure that out and I, I did. I went to um I went to New York and I started in a, a Broadway musical Cinderella for a bit and had some time to just meet with some different writers and producers that I was really big fans of and slowly but surely emotion came together. But that took some time. It took like I think three or four years. Or so yeah. and that was the the move for me. And I and then I finally felt like I had landed um in this world or genre of pop music that felt like my own
0: this is your type of sound, you mean? Yeah,
1: I guess so. I don't know how else to say it, but, like, I guess it felt like um, everything that I was attracted to to pop music about, I wanted to kind of fit into one album, and it is sort of like this uh, being able to emote to the extreme, being able to go into those 80s, like, heart on your sleeve type lyrics, and also being able to play with, like, the the gifts of uh, modern production so that it wasn't just, like, a, a, I don't know, like, a period piece sort of uh, album, but that it had retro vibes to it, but with some, like, modern twists, so I was really lucky to work with a lot of people that were on my dream list, and to take the time. I think I was also gifted managers who saw that I was uh, hungry to go in a different direction than they maybe had insight for me, but respected that it was it was my journey.
0: So with dedicated, where do you see your sound now and moving forward?
1: Dedicated was another sort of struggle because I, I had got to celebrate emotion with um, a lot of tour and a lot of kind of a new fan base um, that was so. Uh um, welcome to me. I loved the fact that the rooms were starting to kind of change into people my own age, and it just kind of morphed into its own sort of party. Um, so I really wanted to deliver something that could you know, keep the party going with the uh, dedicated. But I, I also was going personally through just like a wrestling match with what it is to be dedicated in a relationship and in love, and I wanted to write about it from an honest place. So I think I indulged in that, and, and coming, coming at the same subject from many different perspectives, and getting to sort of um, try on all the feelings because you don't just have one mm. direct feeling about something you kind of have them all at the same time don't you
0: yeah with pop music do you know exactly what you want your sound to be as far as when you sit down and make an album you say like you know you talk about different feelings emotion was a was a period of time and obviously dedicated is where you're at right now do you still know what that sounds like regardless of where you're at mentally
1: um, I, I feel like I have mission statements and definitely like feelings. Like even before, like I think last night I named the album that I'm gonna do next, even though I've written nothing properly for it. I can't tell you what it is, but I, I'm constantly thinking. about What does it kind rhyme with? <laughs> <laughs> what color is it? No, um, no. But truthfully, I think um, yeah. I, I, I even I don't always land. Though. Like with dedicated, I wanted to make like an understated disco, and then I ended up like finding '90s to be really attractive to me in some songs, and so I was like, well, I want to put that. That on there too so maybe yeah. it's just like a shuffle of, of eras but still like the cohesiveness being sort of a bit of the production and my voice hopefully so yeah, yeah but I, I I do have mission statements but I, at the end of the day I think if you have too many restrictions on exactly where you're supposed to land it's taking away all the magic of like letting music kind of happen to you and mm. that's the the part that I never want to lose is just kind of being in the room and being open
0: yeah I mean myself and a lot of people, their first experience you would have been calling Me Maybe I was reading some interviews in the lead up to this one Uh, apparently your first ever song was when you were seven and it was about cutting down trees can you you please tell me about that
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, it was a protest song it was like more of like a poem slash song I I didn't know how to play guitar so I could only sing it but it was um, it was like they're cutting down the big trees I heard it just today (laughs) It won't be much longer now, and I wonder why it has to be this way. I was a very emo child, very aware of everything that was going on because of my parents, and um, and then I got, you know, I, I should have gone down that road and <laughs> continued it, but instead I, I got hooked on a boy, and then it was all love songs after that.
0: <laughs> With most seven-year-olds, yeah. writing music is not a priority. Was, like, when you say when you wrote that song, yeah, sure, it's about trees, but to sit down at seven and say, I'm going to write this song about this thing, has that always been ingrained in in your psyche?
1: I think I was probably encouraged by my, my mom for that song I think there was just stuff going on in the world and she was trying to create little projects to keep me conscious I, I can't say that I was like just um, writing right away I think naturally writing came into my life um, more around the age of 17 and that's when I, I it kind of discovered me and I had these intense feelings about this guy that I had a crush on and I wanted to write him a secret letter that I would never send so the song was called "Dear You mm-hmm. and I had written him kind of all of the imaginations of like what our lives would be like together if he would notice me basically and it had a cadence to it and it had a melody to it when i read it back to myself and more and more i kind of started to feel like i needed to find out what that was so i de- I grabbed my father's guitar and, and tried to like map it out and he showed me a, like the elvis presley like bare bone like pop song chords enough to define it and then i was just off to the races after that
0: wow that's insane,
1: is it? Yeah, it's crazy.
0: <laughs> with I mean, again, with with the new album, which you can't name, do how many songs do you have written down?
1: I've written uh, probably about five songs since I've been since, maybe um, five or six songs since um, uh, May when I handed in when I really started, dedicated. But I don't think they're, they're for the next album. I, I write just to write sometimes. And mm. it's it's kind of fun to experiment in a direction over here, almost get it out of your system. Like, I wrote a really, like, indie re- album or, like, a disco thing for no reason. And it's just, it's, it's therapeutic for me. It's something that I do constantly. Um, uh, well,
0: in writing songs that you have no intention of them seeing the light of day, that's just for you.
1: It's always, like, a, a potential. There's, mm. there's always, like, a, hey, if this turns into something, maybe it lands. But it's not necessarily, like, my incentives isn't like we have to make an album's to track today. Versus like I have a feeling like I want to write, and it's like a it's like an itch that it needs to be scratched, or like um, my favorite thing to do, or a high that I want to feel. It is euphoric to be in the room writing and kind of landing on something that feels like it, I don't know what's worth recording. And I'm lucky enough that I travel with. Um, uh, like-minded musicians like my guitarist Tavish Crow is a long-time collaborator and friend so we'll make like hotel um, studio camp and the same with Jared Minerka who's my saxophone and keyboard player is he, he's really into like Motown funk so we write really interesting songs together and Tavish and me more just go off in any direction whether it be folk or disco or like I don't know just like pure pop stuff too so it's it's great to have those guys on the road with me because it, it keeps you in a constant flow of just creating and being open to that idea when it strikes you. Yeah.
0: But in twenty nineteen where streaming and recording and releasing EPs and albums can be done overnight, that's gotta be a nice I guess freedom to be able to just go, Hey, let's let's start something right now.
1: It is. I'm bad at releasing on the fly. I, I, t- I like to take time with it. Um, I think maybe that's a, a fault of mine, but I am old fashioned feeling even in this new world of release, release, release of just the beauty of an album. Mm-hmm. The art form of just like beginning to end and why track seven is where track seven is and how it completes the whole thing. So I have a harder time with just this idea of like release a song, release a song, but I'm being talked to about it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, just, just please, Carly, just release this. <laughs>
1: like you have 200 extra songs, may we <laughs> (laughs)
0: I have them. I have Phineas on the podcast and Billie Eilish's brother. And it's insane to me that he kind of says, yeah, we write these songs in our bedroom and people will tell us we have to release this now. And we just say no. And that's as simple as it is. Like, there's no. I'm sure there's pressure. Yeah. But it's just as simple as no. If I don't want to, it's end of story.
1: Yeah. Which is, it should. You should have the authority. I believe in your career. I think there was a day and a time when it felt like, um, not too long ago, when it felt like sort of you're more the workhorse versus the artist Mm. with the vision and with the idea of what's best for you. But I think it's good to listen to have a good team around you. But at the end of the day, to be the boss.
0: What do you define pop in 2019 like as? give me a couple of artists that you look at and say these are the the pop artists of of our time
1: Pop artists of our time. Christine and the Queens. Mm-hmm. I think Charlie XCX has got a, a lane to her own right now. I think uh, Jack Antonoff is, is pop uh, to me. I think Dev Hines has pop qualities here and there. I know he's more indie and a little bit more left of center, but he can he can shine there as well. Um, I would say uh, Leaky Lee is a form of pop, too. Even if it, and it's like kind of more like melancholy, strip-backness, it's still pop at the heart of it. So I would would say that the beautiful thing about pop today is that it's a spectrum it is an absolute rainbow there is no one shape that you must fit into to be a pop artist Mm. Um, you just have to have one thing down which is a great love of pop and and pop is such a it's a dynamic word it's it's not just um hit me baby one more time anymore it's uh it's everything. still a great song it's the fucking best song sorry <laughs> I, shouldn't
0: swear. It, I swear i swear a lot i was gonna ask if forbes you with me swearing no one's looking at this play. Uh. shit <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's great uh your australian shows you performed in sydney earlier this week uh you've got melbourne on monday night yes how are the australian crowds are we wild are we sad are we lame are we great
1: I was surprised. Was, you guys, this was a very energetic room. Um, so much so that I don't think I sang one word by myself. And <laughs> I love it when that happens. I love when the crowd takes over, and it's just, it just—it gives me confidence too. Like it's one thing to walk out
0: on a stage and just like be like, "All right,
1: it's a party. I'm, yeah. I'm invited. <laughs> I guess <laughs> let's do this." Um, so yeah, that changes everything for me.
0: Can we expect you to come back and do a, a more extensive tour? Because I know you were here for a festival that did get cancelled a couple weeks ago. And thank you for still coming out. Because a lot of those acts kind of just packed up shop and said, "We're not coming. It's over." You still made a point to come here. So thank you. Yes,
1: for that. I was given that option, and I was like, "No, I'm going. <laughs> I've been dying to get to Australia. <laughs> I'm climbing so. that Harbour Bridge. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, um, no. Thank you. No, it's 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 my my like it's a gift to me to be here. I um I've been wanting to come back. It's just beautiful. Like mm. love, love, love Australia. And to answer your question, I I don't have anything in the books right now for a plan, but I think there's no way I can let it be another eight years before I come back again. I was like, going to say, it's a, that's it's ridiculous. a long time. <laughs> like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen the next, like, year for sure. So yeah. I want to make it more of a priority to make sure that um, I'm getting to see the places that I love in Australia is, like, up there now.
0: Yeah, and I want to leave it on a sentimental note because I know we only have 20 minutes, so I want to <laughs> pack this all in. Uh I so I used to work at a cinema, like one of the bigger chains in Australia. I was the projectionist and the creepy guy who stares at people from that little <laughs> window upstairs. We have control of the of the audio essentially that plays throughout the whole cinema. So me and my friend, who are big fans of your work, we put Call Me Maybe on on repeat, the only song. Aww. And I know this because I think the last Harry Potter movie was out in cinemas. So it was packed. It, like the whole place. And I think after about the fifth time someone's like I feel like this song's already been played today, guys. <laughs> it took five times a want to go. Maybe change the song. We didn't. So for eight hours, we played "Call Me Maybe." It is your. It was your birthday last oh, week. Oh yes. So what year was that? Two thousand and
1: eleven. Oh my god! You just
0: celebrated your thirty-fourth birthday. Congratulations! Thank you so much. Um,
1: I got cake last night from the band boys as a surprise. Oh really? So it was very nice. What yes. kind of cake? Um, it, w- it was restaurant cake. They had the restaurant bring it out. But it was like an ice cream cake and it kind of just looked – it was like two clubs of ice cream with the candles. It kind of, I was joking. It looked like boobs. But <laughs> I, it was still delicious.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, th- so the whole point of that terrible story okay. was in 2011, we were introduced to Carly Rae Jepsen. Eight years later, you're finally here. You were killing it. Where do you see yourself in the next eight years? I don't say eight years, but that's because, you know, yeah, you're, it's been in, literally years, in Australia. Yeah.
1: Um, I want to have released some kind of B sides of this last project because I definitely have the material (laughs) and then I want to do something completely different musically next and I don't know what that looks like yet so I'm sure that'll be a bit of a journey to discover I eventually have dreams of looking at collaborating with some other writers in the world of musical theater some sort of pop musical and being involved in the creation of that would be a dream and other than that I'm considering maybe moving back to New York for a little bit and getting out of that LA bubble and Mm -hmm. um, those are are the only mission statements I have as a brother, otherwise, other than like keeping really tight with like the, the important ones, the family and the friends.
0: When you say you have some songs, leftover songs how many literally? At least ballpark if you can't give me the exact I don't know if of. I
1: can give you literally, yeah, without, without guessing a bit, but yeah, it was a it's about 200 songs for both projects, like give or take one or two. And like in different t- um, phases, like different stages of, of doneness. So you can have one song that's got like six different full productions on it, and then another song that's just like an acoustic guitar kind of demo, but like seen through with lyrics to the point where you're like, all right, are we going to put some lipstick on this thing? But um, at this point, in terms of the B side stuff, I, I have a pretty like shaved down list of at least like the top 20 that I would decipher between and decide between. And, and then pick uh, the ones that I still want to share because those were equally important to me in, in that era of writing. It's just a shame you can only put out 15 at a time.
0: <laughs> Allegedly. I know. Lauv has like 21 songs in his album. I know.
1: Hey, I mean, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to be said about that. Yeah. yeah.
0: Another. When you say another musical project, do you mean like you could just do a, a rap album, an emo album? Do you mean like literally a different style of music altogether?
1: No, I don't feel like a rebellion from who I've learned or what I've learned about myself and music, but more just um, a journey, an evolution of just like figuring out where to go from here. I don't think any artist wants to create the same thing twice. I have no desire to do that, so Mm. I just want to kind of start to listen to different things I'm attracted to and see how I, I can incorporate it into something that feels authentic.
0: Carly, this has been a lot of fun. I know we didn't have too long, but it was an honour to have you here. Thank (laughs) Thank you for coming by. Thank you for having Uh, me. Carly, welcome to Australia. We hope to see you back sooner than eight years, please. I promise. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. That's our show. Thank you again for listening. If you like what you hear, check out the Handshake Media Network on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. And check out some of our other shows, including Two Truths and a Lie and A Matter of Faction. We'll see you all next week.